Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revolution traveled down south looking to take some points from Atlanta United as they start to play catch up in the Eastern Conference. But despite a brace from Adam Buxa, the Revolution come away with only a single point after a 2-2 draw in Atlanta on Sunday afternoon. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from Last Word on Sports, it's Jamie Rook. Jamie, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you, Greg. Got a good game under our belt, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. I was going to say it's a better result than the first time we had you on after that disastrous yeah. uh, Champions League, uh, just just awful away leg. So I'm glad we at least get to talk about a point today. Uh, things seem to be going a little bit in the right direction for the revolution. This is four consecutive games without a loss, uh, but still frustrating. I think a lot of people wish they came away with three points. They certainly had their chances today, but uh, another frustrating 2-2 result that's not going to do them much good in the standings. Uh, Jamie, uh, let's get to our key takeaways. The key takeaways are brought to you by The Rebellion. Check out our friends at The Rebellion on Twitter, at The Rebellion, or go check out anyrebellion.org so you can learn more about them and how to become a member. Uh, Jamie, what was your key takeaway from today's game? I think, as you mentioned, obviously with um, Alan Brooks scoring both the goals, and that is that seemed to be a, a common theme in these these recent results, where they're starting to look a lot more positive. That's um, eight goals and six for him now, which is obviously very good for him and the team. But then from a wider perspective, barring Heal scoring that hat-trick in midweek in the cup, there is, I'm wondering if there's maybe an over-reliance on, on the Polish forward to score a lot of the goals. I think... Uh, what, I, I know we'll get into it later, but the absence of Gustavo Bo, the the slow start for for Josie in the Revolution shirt, it it could could become worrying because at the start of the season, Books wasn't scoring as prolifically, and now he's on this run. You just got you got to hope to be able to get goals from elsewhere, whether it be Heal or Lejet or the returning uh, Bo and Josie Altor as well. Yeah, Adam Buxa is on a tear right now. Definitely the best tear since he's joined the Revolution in MLS. Uh, he's scored in six straight games, eight goals over that time period. I believe he's tied for fifth uh, in the league uh, with six goals in MLS play. Uh, so he, he's on an absolute tear right now. And I do think they do miss Gustavo Bo a ton. It seemed like the Revs really lacked a lot of chance creation today. There's so much that the Revs generate off of crosses and usually you know shots generated from crosses that means it's going to Adam Buxa um and and today the crosses really weren't there I don't have updated crossing number percentages but um even the two goal uh, the 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 second goal was set up by Elijet kind of chip cross uh over the head of the defender but uh Ima Botang was 0 for 4 on crosses today I don't think Dewan Jones had any crosses today uh Brandon Bay I don't think had a successful cross today um uh, you know, that seems to be kind of their bread and butter. And uh, without that ability, if you're taking Adam Books out of the play, out of the uh, rhythm of the game, um, you know, what else is there? So the Revs got pretty, I don't want to say lucky, but uh, Adam Books finished his chances today. Um, you know, I, I thought they 
I don't want to say they got lucky, but uh, I certainly think if you're an Atlanta fan, you kind of wish you came away with three points because I think they looked very, very dangerous. And that kind of gets to my point, which is I don't think this defense can handle some of the more high-powered offenses in the league. Uh, the schedule for the Revolution really hasn't been too incredible. Um, and I was really kind of stressed over the number of chances Atlanta United was creating today. Um, obviously there was the free kick, uh, that was set up Tommy McNamara fouls. Uh, I forget who he fouled, but it led to an Almeida free kick, which Matt Turner made a miracle save to keep out. Uh, Almeida scored a minute later, which I think you can't really blame the defense too, too much on. I, I thought that was a beautiful shot. You could argue he should have been closed down a little bit better, but, um, it was a deflected cross that kind of landed to him. He should have been played onto his weaker foot, but it was still a phenomenal shot. So, you know, hats off to him. Um, and, and then the second goal, uh, really there was just some nice passing that led to kind of a through ball that Matt Turner was kind of left for dead on. So, um, you know, looking at Atlanta, you know, they had 26 shots today, uh, five were on target. So, you know, not exactly clinical finishing, I'd say from Atlanta United, but they had a ton of chances today. Uh, they had 18 key passes, um, it seems like anytime the Revolution are in, you know, transition or their opponent is in transition uh, or countering, I'm stressed. Uh, I, I think the defense just doesn't look as good as it looked last year. And I think last year a lot of people wanted an upgrade. Um, it, it's it's concerning, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but um, Seth McComber made a point at the uh, uh, press conference today that they've conceded 20 goals so far, and last year they conceded. 41 goals throughout the entire season. So the defense has definitely taken a step back uh, and I'm not entirely sure what it will take to fix it. I don't know if it's a personnel change, but uh, Matt Polster is suspended next week in Cincinnati. So uh, you can be sure you're going to see some goals there next week as well. Yeah. I think uh, just following what you said with, with the, the fixture list so far, the, the game besides today, I'd say it's not been the toughest of opponents. When you think of two games against Miami, two against Charlotte, playing likes of Cincinnati as well, you'd think that these are the type of games where you'd be expecting a clean sheet here and there. But obviously Campania scored that hat-trick in one of the Miami games, lost to Charlotte in one of the games. So I think losing, uh, conceding twice today isn't isn't exactly embarrassing. It's in, in their stadium, Atlanta's that is. And they've got, uh, obviously, Almada's, I think he's the most expensive player in MLS history. Barco's in the top, uh, sorry, not Barco. Barco is in the top five, but Raulho's in the top five as well. So it's not. I don't think it's shameful this game in particular, but yeah, I definitely agree there could be a wide problem shipping a lot of goals. Yeah, they didn't have any answer for Almeida today. Who had five shots, three of them on target. He had five key passes, eighty-five percent pass accuracy. He had ninety-one touches, uh, a goal, and an assist. Uh, really, really phenomenal game from him. And yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done containing Almeida, but. Uh, boy, I mean, it just didn't seem like they were able to adjust or do anything or they didn't have the personnel. So, um, yeah, not not thrilled with this defense. Uh, and my level of concern is getting worse and worse over time. And, um, you know, as I say, I, you look at the expected goals, too. It wasn't terrible. Atlanta United was 1.8. Uh, the Revolution were at 1.12. Um, but I, as I say, I, I think with better finishing, I think Atlanta really wins this game easily. So. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled with this game at all from a defensive perspective whatsoever. But uh, let's get to some positives real quick. We, I already mentioned Turner's save on the free kick. Um, really his biggest save of the night. He did make two other saves on kind of some long-range shots. Um, but I, I do think it's just worth noting that that was such an incredible save. It, it's it's a really, really good save when uh, 
you know, you're accustomed to seeing Matt Turner in goal for year after year after year, and then he does something that even surprises you. So um, I think that was probably the highlight of the game for the Revolution, even though Vuxa scored twice. I think Matt Turner's save early in the game kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to say save the game, but um, I, I think it plays out very, very differently um, uh, if uh, if it goes otherwise. But that, that's my only other... I shouldn't say my only other positive, but that's the big positive I want to take away. Uh, Jamie, uh, was there any other positives or anyone's performance that impressed you today? I think may- maybe not an overall performance, but I think to have to have two players like Carlos Hill and Sebastian Legette who can pull out that piece of magic, I think both balls for the books of goals from the pair of them were very impressive. The heel like curl around the defence almost, and then as you said, the, the chip come cross from Legette, I think to have two players capable of those moments is, is definitely bodes well. And um, I, I mentioned this to Adam after the game and he did say, he said it makes his life easier and it's easy to see because he's, he's definitely a presence aerially, but when you can bring the ball into him and he can bring it down and finish like he has, I think, yeah, although maybe Hill and Leggett weren't amazing the whole game, to have those, yeah, as I've said, individual moments of brilliance is definitely an asset for Bruce. Yeah, and I think Legette too. A lot of people uh, are starting to sour on Legette a little bit. I still have some high expectations for him, and I think the last two games we've seen why. You know, the last MLS game against Columbus, Legette is kind of able to send in a left-footed cross uh, up to Buxa that's headed in nicely. This game, I believe, it was also another left-footed kick uh, uh, across from uh, Legette, but um, that, that set up Adam Buxa, I mean, that had to have been pinpoint perfect uh, to set up Buxa the way it did. Um, uh, but Legette, uh, just going through his stats here, he had two chances created. He was eight, uh, 28 for 30. Uh, he only had 47 touches. I know he was subbed off in the 80th minute. Uh, so not not completely involved. I think that's where a lot of people are uh, critical. I think he was kind of expected to be a little bit more involved in this game. But really, in, uh, you know, going on the road in Atlanta uh, against in, in a game where you need numbers back, I don't know if he can get too involved offensively. Uh, but I, I thought he played fine today, and I, I think his cross today, as I say, um, that assist was wonderful. Uh, I think it deserves a lot of praise. Uh, and Carlos Heel, too, always a positive for the Revolution. 90 minutes today. Sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, 90 minutes today. Uh, obviously, he had the assist uh, to to Adam Buxa, which really was out of absolutely nothing. He, him and Buxa just had that great connection right off the bat. 52 for 61 passing, 85% pass accuracy. Uh, he did have a shot, but 92 touches in 90 minutes. Jamie, going to kind of some negative performances on the day, uh, who who do you think didn't impress you? <clears throat> um, it, I find it hard to pick out anyone anyone in particular that was was particularly poor in that all areas. I think without wanting to steal your thunder, the point you made earlier about the lack of crosses, I think not just this season, but last season as well, seeing both Dewan Jones and Brandon Bai bomb down the flanks, from fullback and getting a lot of good crosses, which someone like Bookser is is his bread and butter. He's a he's a very tall guy and it must help when you've got two fullbacks that can deliver a ball like them. So not just not just the the whole team crossing, but those two in particular. I'd say it might be might be credit to Atlanta actually. They did at times they definitely seem to pin them back and then with how potent their attack is with Armada, Araujo and Moreno as well, I think maybe Jones and Bai maybe might have thought twice about pushing forward because of the risk of getting caught out going backwards. So, yeah, I would have said normally it's good to see those two firing in crosses. I remember going back to one of the Miami games, I remember Bai in particular, I think he got an assist because 
he's just firing in crosses and it constantly works. I think that was for the Rennick's goal. So yeah, I think to see to see those two uh, whipping the ball into the box more is definitely what we need in the future. Yeah, and Brandon by today, 0 for 3 on crosses. Dewan didn't attempt one, uh, as mentioned. Dewan Jones overall, too, um, I don't think had a standout game. I, I think he was supposed to stay back, and he wasn't involved in the offense, and that's really where he's dangerous. I, I don't remember many moments where he was that dangerous today. He did have a chance created. He was 35 for 41 passing, uh, so 85% pass accuracy. But I think because uh, Ima Botang was out there and started in this game, you know, Ima is usually the guy that runs down the left flank and sends in the crosses. And I think because he's there, I, I think Dewan was able to kind of stay back a little bit further. But uh, Dewan Jones, I don't, I didn't think had a particularly great game. He was three for seven on ground duels. Uh, and then there was one moment in particular, which was extremely scary. I forget what minute it was in. I don't see it in my notes here, but uh, there was a... Uh, I forget who it was on Atlanta, but he's got the ball down in the right-hand uh, flank. Uh, it seemed, I think Tristison was kind of doubling with Dewan Jones, uh, and just somehow, one way or the other, the guy just kind of drives around uh, along the touchline and is able to get the ball centered, uh, and it led to a shot that Andrew Farrell blocked uh, pretty nicely with his left leg. I think it was over the bar for a corner kick, but uh, Dewan Jones just one-on-one got completely beat there, and you know, thankfully there were bodies in the box that... Uh, you know, crowded the area and, and didn't lead to a shot on frame. But, you know, that easily could have been a goal. So I, I think that was kind of the uh, defensive blunder that, um, you know, didn't really look great on Dewan. Um, then there was also a play where Dewan Jones, in the 77th minute, uh, there was shouts for a penalty kick. It looks like he's pulling down the guy he is guarding. The pass was a little bit too far out in front. I don't think it was a penalty kick, but Taylor Twelman noted on the broadcast that if that ball is closer, that might go to VAR. Uh, and then might get overruled for a penalty kick. So um, Dewan Jones today, I, I, I think, was a poor game for him. Um, I don't think it was the worst performance in the world, but uh, not a standard Dewan Jones performance that we are, are used to uh, these days. Uh, the only other person I want to kind of note is Tommy McNamara. There's a little bit a lot of talk about him. I didn't think he had a great game today either. Um, I think he's playing in a role that's really not meant for him. I still think Tommy McNamara is a... Uh, he, he brings value to the team. Uh, you know, he hit the post uh, in the closing minutes. He almost won this game for the Revolution. He hit the crossbar last week against Columbus. He almost won that game for the Revolution. Uh, he, he is able to kind of send in some long-range shots that might steal a goal and, and some points for you. But overall, right now, playing in the four-two-three-one with Matt Polster um, doesn't seem to really be working out very well. And I, I'd like to see, I know Polster is suspended next game, so I, I, I'm not sure what the formation and the tactics and who's going to go in for Polster is going to be. Um, but for me personally, I think I'd like to see Polster and Maciel if they're going to run out this formation again. Uh, you know, if Bo is out for a, a long period of time, they're still going to play this one striker formation. Um, I, 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 I was Encouraged by Maciel's performance on Wednesday, I, I just like to see him get a little bit more minutes than Tommy McNamara because I think playing defensively, um, he seems to be, uh, you know, not completely out of it, but a step too slow. Um, you know, he, he makes a bad tackle. He made that very, very poor challenge early in the game, which led to the free kick that Matt Turner saved. Um, you know, his passing numbers are fine. He can he can move the ball. He's 33 for 40%, uh, 40, 83% passing. Um, as I say, had that shot off of the bar, um, but three for 10 on ground duels. Um, yeah, just 
I, I don't know. I'm, I think Tom McNamara has value to this team, but the way they're playing him at this moment, and maybe it's because they need him to play there. There's no one better to play there. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not totally impressed with that. I thought it was better when they brought in Maciel and they kind of pushed him up the field. I think he's a lot better more as an offensive player uh, than a, a defensive player on that side of the field. So uh, Tommy McNamara, I think it's a negative mark for me today. Yeah, I think um, going back to his NYCFC days, obviously he was, he was sometimes even part of a, a front line in in the Big Apple, as they call it. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing him drop deeper and deeper the, the older he gets. But obviously, as Bruce has said, he, def- he definitely trusts him and he's a player he, he relies on and calls upon to play in a number of positions in the midfield. And whilst I can't say... I know a whole lot about Martial. Didn't see the Cincinnati game because Open Cup's not available in England. But I, I think yeah, I think some of the disres- not disrespect, but negativity towards McNamara maybe isn't isn't warranted. But potentially just because there's a lack of a better option there, which could be said for a few positions. <laughs> That's very well put. Uh, one person I do want to touch on actually, I do want to note, throw out there for the positives section. Arno Tristesen came off, uh, came on in the 79th minute of this game, and I thought he played very well. Only 11 minutes, but he had three shots. He was four for five on passes. He created two chances uh, in those 11 minutes plus stoppage time. Um, I, I thought he played really, really well. Almost set up the game-winning goal with a low cross to Adam Buxa, which Buxa got a, a great shot off on, but uh, Bobby Shuttleworth was able to get a piece of it and knock it wide. Um, I think Tristison, I don't know exactly where his best position is. I don't know if he could replace Tommy McNamara and be that kind of defensive midfielder type. Uh, but I, I, I certainly think that, you know, he could maybe play winger, uh, you know, I, or if you're going back to the diamond, he could be one of the midfielders between Polster and Heel. Um, I certainly think he's earned minutes. Uh, I know a lot of people soured on him last year, but I think he's had a couple of good performances uh, that he's stringing along here, and I, I think it's time for him to get back uh, on the field a little bit more. Uh, what were your thoughts on Tristison's performance, uh, and, and do you agree with me that he needs some more minutes? Yeah, I think uh, I think more often than not, all, all you can ask from a player being subbed on, obviously, as you said, 10 minutes, it's not, it's not a huge sample size, but what you need from a player coming off the bench is to make a difference, and he definitely did that. He was, he was clearly lively. As you said, he was is getting in and around the box and making a few chances. So I think I think he's definitely earned minutes. And it's as I said before, I don't like to be too negative, but it's not as if there's a bunch of world beaters keeping him out of the team. There is there's definitely room for improvement there. So I, I definitely would wouldn't begrudge him a couple of starts in the league going forward. Yeah, good good point over there. And uh, also, by the way, we, we, I skipped over this a second ago, but I think we've learned something here today. A great injustice. We need the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, broadcast in England because uh, I, I realize you didn't see his game uh, against Cincinnati too. So uh, you know I, I, you don't know what I'm referring to when I'm talking about Tristan's performance on on Wednesday as well. But uh, yeah, we need the U.S. Open Cup uh, in England. Uh, I, I think that's outrageous. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll start the petition and we'll help you out for next year, Jamie. But uh, <laughs> before we move on to listener questions, we wanted to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Glasso Kits. The Glasso Kits has a large catalog of jerseys, jackets, and scarves. From clubs and national teams from every continent in the world, they have Revolution merch, they have United States men's national team merch, women's national team merch, and merch from your favorite team overseas at a competitive price. Jamie, uh, what's your uh, favorite club in England? 
Uh, Plymouth Argyle was a team I support. Oh, there we go. They, I guarantee you they got some Plymouth stuff as well. So no matter who you support, Galasso Kits will have something for you. And if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you can buy one, three, or five mystery kits. Enter in your size and the style of jersey that you like, and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. So check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection, and make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and GalassoKits on Instagram for updates on their new inventory. They have new videos every single week, so when they have something added to their inventory, you'll be the first one to know about it. And when you find something you like, please use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. All right. Actually, before I move on, I do want to touch on one really, really quick thing, too. We were talking about Tristison. Uh, um, someone brought up in the post game. Actually, I think it was you, Jamie, that asked why why Damian Rivera did not come in the game. I believe that was your question, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, Bruce gave a good answer that I think is worth noting because I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering why he wasn't there. But uh, he, he mentioned that uh, Rivera played 90 minutes in the Open Cup. He played 90 minutes against Columbus. Um, so it, it seems like rest was a factor. Uh, but Bruce noted with his age, with his experience level, uh, he didn't think putting him in three consecutive games would have been the, the best decision there. And I thought that was a good explanation and a good answer because I was very curious to what, uh, why there was no Damian Rivera uh, in this game either. Uh, so great question, great answer. Uh, but let's get to some listener questions here. Uh, first question, uh, let's go to any Revs UK who asks us, uh, is this it? And he has a 3-5-2 formation, back line of By Farrell, and Kessler. Uh, and then in the midfield, he's got Barrero on the right, Dewan Jones on the left, Maciel and Polster in the uh, central, central midfield roles, uh, Carlos Heel as the central attacking playmaker, and then Buxa and Bo as your strikers. I think if you're going to go with a 3-5-2 that might be the lineup you're going to run out. You probably would put Legette out there maybe instead of Maciel, I would say. Uh, but I'm, I'm not entirely sold on the 3-5-2. I know a lot of people were impressed with it after the Columbus game. Uh, but as I say, it's, that's a very different formation than what they've played last season and this season. There might be some growing pains with that. So I'm not completely sold on it. Um, and as I say, I don't know if... You know, fewer defenders, uh, if you're going to really push Barrero and Jones up the field, I guess Jones can push back and you have a four-man back line anyway in that, that scenario. But um, I don't know if that would necessarily solve your defensive woes. Uh, Jamie, what are your thoughts about that lineup and potentially moving to a 3-5-2? Uh, yeah, for starters, I, ca- I can't pretend to know a whole lot about Dylan Barrero. I can't pretend I've seen all that much of him. So I'm interested to see what he brings. But I would have thought with uh, Jones and Bai both being... Uh, good fullbacks going forward that they could even be the the original thought I thought would that they would be the wing backs but then obviously the issue is the club doesn't really have three centre backs that are capable of starting yet. I think John Bell could get there. Omar Gonzalez is probably over the hump. And then as you mentioned, the main point for me would be me personally and thinking of what Bruce would do as well. I can't see a, a strongest lineup that doesn't feature Sebastian as yet. I think he's I personally think he's done a very good job since he's arrived, and I guarantee Bruce, he's obviously one of Bruce's favourite players, so yeah, he's definitely going to be in a Bruce team. And I think Brandon Bai does have the skill set to maybe adjust to centre-back over time. I mean, he's very good in the air. I think he's a pretty good one-on-one defender, although he's not a flawless defender by any means, but you know, that was the route Andrew Farrell took where he moved from right back to, to centre-back when he lost a step. Uh, but I, I don't think right now is the time to move Brandon By. And I talked a little bit about, um, you know, Brandon By's uh, increased 
you know, crossing ability over the past season. Um, he's a lot more of a dangerous crosser. Um, I, we don't have updated stats after this game, but coming into this game, he led MLS in successful open play crosses, uh, and he, he leads the league in uh, you know open play cross attempts. But uh, he's crossing at a 35% rate coming into this game. I guess it's going to go down a little bit today, but um, either way, I, you know he's still quick, he's still speedy. Um, I, I think that the Revs want him to be an attacking right back type in that mold. Uh, so I, I don't think Bruce will do that, at least not moving by to center back. Um, and, and in terms of Barrero too, I mentioned this on a podcast a few weeks ago, you know, I'm not completely sold. He's going to come in and make an immediate impact. I think that there might be a little bit of a learning curve for him. I think a lot of people kind of expect him to be Tejan Buchanan right away, but really I think he might be Tejan Buchanan one or two years down the road. It's going to take him a while to fill out that potential. So I don't know if, if, that uh, team is exactly the way to go. Um, as I say, I don't know if Bruce is going to commit to a three-five-two, but it worked out very well. Maybe against a weaker opponent at home where you're pushing up forward and you don't want DeWan Jones or Brandon By to have any defensive responsibilities, you can go to that way. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not completely sold on it every single game uh, going forward. So uh, Sam Minton asks us, can this team survive without Adam Buxa? Jamie, what are your thoughts? Um, obviously, going back to my talking point from the game was something along a similar line of how how worrying it could be the over reliance on books to score the goals. And I think I think last time I came on here, I did actually I said I had some doubts about books because he had a slow start to the season and it, he he wasn't getting many chances. And then when he did, his finishing wasn't great. But obviously, he's clearly he's clearly proven me wrong once again with this. I think we said before his eight eight and six stretch and. I mean, yeah, the goal for him as a European in particular will probably be to make that move to Europe. Obviously, got the World Cup on the horizon as well. He'll want to be in that squad. So, yeah, I think I think Sam definitely makes a good point that there could be could be a worry here with Bo and Alsu obviously aren't the youngest, and then then you go to someone like Renex, who's very inexperienced. Same with Rivera. So, yeah, I think if if there is a chance of books are departing, whether it be in the summer or later down the line, there definitely needs to be a plan in place to replace him. Otherwise, the refs could really face an issue scoring goals. Yeah, and I think if it's true that, that I mean, there's there's two ways to go. Either his contract ends the end of this season, and Buxa can you know negotiate and leave elsewhere. You know, he, he you know at that point, I think the revs have kind of lost their value because you can agree to a pre-contract you know, before your current contract is up. We saw that uh, in Orlando. Um, uh, uh, oh, who, who transferred over to Scotland and is moving back to MLS already? I'm, I'm already? Yes, thank you. Chris Miller. So, yes, we saw that last year where, you know, he, he was still playing for Orlando and he still had time left on his contract and he signed with another team for the following season. So if there's six months left on Adam Books' contract, he's going to negotiate a contract and the Revs are going to end up with nothing. If there is an option year for next season – in my mind, I think you do what you did with Tejan Buchanan, which is where you don't sell unless you agree it's at the end of the year. Because in my mind, I don't see a scenario in which the Revs can be this good with someone less than Adam Buxa. Um, I think Josie is a real question mark. He was not in the 18 today. He had soreness. Um, I'm really questioning his health and availability, and I'm not sure how long it'll take for him to be fully fit, but it's not now. Uh, Justin Reddick's, I think, does a lot of great little things, but I don't think he's a, you know, great scoring threat. 
And Gustavo Bo, I know we'll talk about him, but he's got some injury problems as well. And I don't know if he can play kind of as a lone striker. I don't know if pairing him and Josie is going to be that effective. So uh, I think Adam Buxa does a lot very well and is a very efficient player and is really, really coming to his own. And I think it benefits Adam Buxa to stay where he is and be in form for the World Cup. And I think it benefits the team to hold him through the remainder of the season and then either sell him in the offseason or sell him uh, with a loan back to the team for the remainder of the year. Um, I, I feel like if they sold him and he left the team this summer, I feel like that would be the, the revs saying, this is not our year. We got to regroup. Uh, and maybe they do that, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think they can survive without Adam Boos at this stage. So, uh, we did get a question here. We, a, a couple of people are very worried about Adam Buxa being sold, but, uh, Matthew asked us on Twitter, how much will the revs get for Adam Buxa in the summer? Uh, do you think they will buy a replacement for him in the summer or just roll with Bo slash Josie? And I'm not completely sold that they are selling him, but hypothetically, if they did sell him, uh, what would be your asking price, Jamie, for Adam Buxa? Well, um, first, just to go back and follow on from something you said about what Books would want to do. Yeah, I think definitely a good point that he, while he's playing well, scoring goals in a decent league, it would make sense for him to want to stay here because you see... Someone like Zach Steffen on the bench from Man City. Turner's going to be doing the same when he moves to Arsenal. If if a World Cup is what you want, and I'm sure that is what Buxer wants, then you have to you have to think about that. And then on to the question at hand: How much is he worth? I mean, it's hard it's hard for us hard for us to speculate. And with my European hat on, it's hard to think what um, what MLS players tend to go to. So I'd probably have to. Uh, leave this to your better judgment here, because I'd just be, I'd be guessing really shot in the dark. So I'll leave it to you. Well, I believe his, um, I believe the rumors are that the Revs are currently asking for ten million dollars coming into this season, uh, and I think his value has only gone up in recent form. Um, so I, I would imagine right now the asking price is probably around ten to twelve million still. Um, I don't think it's gone up a ton. The other thing, too, you got to remember is that as the contract length goes down for the revolution, they have less negotiating power. Uh, and I think everyone knows that Mbuks is going to go back to Europe. So I think if you're a team, you know, if the Revs have an outrageous offer, uh, you know, $20 million or something like that, um, I'd have to look up what Daryl DK went for, actually. That might be a decent comp. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think if the Revs kind of really overshot their asking price. I think teams might say, well, we'll just wait for him a little bit uh, and, and, you know, wait for him to kind of get six months away. So I would say that right now, if the Revs were to sell Buxa and they were to punt on this season, um, I would put it in that eight figure, small eight figure range. I'll, I'll say 12 ish million is right now the asking price, but who knows? Uh, it depends on how many teams are calling for him. It might benefit the Revs to have him go to the world cup. If he scores one or two goals, Maybe that bumps the value up even more. I know it bumped up Tejon's value going to the Gold Cup last year and, and torching Mexico a few times. You know, if, if Buxa can go to the World Cup and is a very effective player, you may, might get a higher profile team come calling. So um, I think it benefits the Revs to hold them the rest of the season. Um, at this stage, I, I think that's what you do. But uh, do you think they will buy a replacement for him in the summer or just roll with Bo and Josie? I think they're rolling with what they have if they do sell him. It's, it's very tough to come at, to, to buy a player get him incorporated with the team real quick and, and kind of have the same immediate effect. And I think Josie Altador, the, the thought process behind that signing was, you know, Books is not going to be around forever. So, you know, we don't need him for the first six months of the year. 
Um, you know, let's get him incorporated with the team. And then when Buxa leaves, we can kind of have him move up. I, I don't know if that's going to be that successful of a plan, um, but they've they've allocated a designated player spot to Gustavo Bo. Um, they've, you know, Josie Altador is on a big contract. I know TFC is paying a lot of that, but, um, you know, I, I, those are two high-profile players. And I, I, I'm under the impression that the thought process was if Buxa leaves, um, that's plan B. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to work. But, uh, Jamie, what are your thoughts? Do you think that if Buxa leaves, the Revs need to go out and get another striker? Uh, I think I think you need to, definitely, yeah. Because from what we've seen, anyway, I know it's a small sample size and he's had injuries, but Josie Altidore maybe isn't what some of us expected. I do remember, I do remember asking Bruce about it uh, about a month ago, and he said, which surprised me, the, the plan had always been for about July... For to be for about July to be when Altidore actually comes into the side regularly, so maybe maybe we, we've we've misread it and it's not actually expected to be. He's not expected to be a regular at all yet. But when you see yeah Altidore and his injury problems and his age and the exact same for Bo and the quality between both of them compared to what Buxer brings to the side, I think I think you have to if you're serious about being competitive in this league, you'd have to go out and buy someone, especially if. Books it does go for a price of twelve odd million dollars, then you've got the money there to go and sign someone definitely. I think it depends on if they have someone scouted and and ready to negotiate. It really has to be a lot of things have to fall into place really, really quickly. And you know, we talked to Remy Roy a, a couple of weeks ago, the director of scouting uh, for the revolution, and he mentioned that, you know, Dylan Barrero is a guy they've looked for for years. So it seems like there was a lot of negotiation in terms of Barrero, and you get the impression that maybe the Revs wanted to bring him in sooner, uh, especially with the Tejan Buchanan sale going through. So, um, you know, if the Revs have someone identified, um, you know, it all kind of has to fall into place very, very quickly. So hopefully they have someone identified. Hopefully they have someone ready to go. Uh, but yeah, I, I, if Books was sold and they don't replace him, I'm I'm not very optimistic. So uh, David Sabillion also asked us a similar question that we can uh, just note it. Uh, he says this team cannot wait to find Josie. Uh, is not a replacement for Buxa, uh, just like they waited to find out that uh, Legette is not a Tejan replacement. Uh, which, again, I, I still don't like calling Legette a uh, Tejan replacement because I do think their skill sets are a little bit different. I think they brought in Legette to kind of fit the diamond a little more, bit more, whereas um, Tejan was a uh, winger. Uh, but yes, I agree with the sentiment overall that um, you know if, if the plan here is Josie Altador is replacing Anna Buxa, uh, I'm not in love with it, so... Uh, also, real quick, Daryl DK was sold for $9.5 million, according to ESPN, uh, and that also includes performance-based bonuses and a 20, 20% of any future sale. Uh, and DK is a little bit younger than Adam Books. I think Books is like 25, and DK is 21. Um, so um, maybe not $12 million, maybe $10 million. I'm not totally sure, but Books's value is going up, uh, and I imagine the revs, that that price is not going down at all uh, anytime soon. But yeah, 10 to 12 million, I think, is a good good range, I'd say. Uh, Ryan on Twitter, Twitter asked us, Trastison looked great. Kessler did very well. Farrell was looking good. And of course, Turner was looking good. I may get some backlash, but I thought Boateng locked, looked a little bit lost today. Um, I didn't think Boateng looked too bad. He was 0 for 4 on crosses. He had some crosses that just barely missed uh, Adam Buxa. Uh, I think everyone in the midfield just looked a little bit lost today. I think he, just by in that group, uh, it just seemed like the Revs, you know, weren't winning many balls in the midfield and Atlanta was moving the ball uh, very easily. I guess Boateng on the second goal was the guy chasing uh, down after that man, but I thought maybe Farrell could have rotated over a little bit and, and kind of covered that gap when Kessler stepped up. 
Jamie, uh, any thoughts on uh, any of those players that we haven't talked? I don't think we've talked about Kessler, Farrell, uh, or Ima yet. Uh, any additional thoughts uh, off of uh, Ryan's comment there? Um, in terms of foul, I think I think you did touch on it earlier. The the block for that that shot uh, towards the end of the game is I thought was very impressive. And in general, although obviously the the side did concede twice, the foul in particular I thought did look did look solid. And most he's not always he's not always the quickest, especially when he's against the likes of Almada and that. I still I thought he had a very good game, uh, very good a uh, good game. And then on on Boateng, yeah, I think. I think maybe he's shown his best this season anyway, in my eyes, off the bench. And whether that might be the option going forward as an impact sub to get him down the way and get those crosses in and to use his speed. But yeah, it maybe wasn't his best game, but I'd see him more as a, a super sub when everyone's fit. I think starting him is a real... I don't know. I know a lot of people like him, but... I think he's the guy that comes off the bench and provides a spark. He wasn't there was no spark today. I guess it was Tristison. He played very well. He did actually no. That, I, I, I'm wrong. Tristison did provide, provide a spark. Uh, so I guess I'm wrong. But I don't know. I, I maybe I would have uh, switched up their roles today. I would have liked to have seen Tristison a little bit more and Ima Boateng off the bench because it seems like when Ima Boateng comes off the bench, he's making an assist. You know, he's very involved. Uh, you know, the Revs are pushing for that goal. Whereas when you start him out in a game, if, if Atlanta has, is controlling, is pushing them down, you know, he's not doing what he's best at, which is, you know, running past the defense, getting him behind the defense and setting in dangerous balls. So um, Boateng, uh, if you look at his numbers here, 33 touches in 63 minutes. So it was got kind of a little involved, Six, 16 for 21 passing. Um, he did have, he was one for one on ground duels. Where is crossing numbers? He was 0 for 4 on crosses. Uh, two for two on accurate balls. He had an okay game, I thought. Uh, Farrell, I want to get to him real quick, though. 95% pass accuracy. He was 40 for 42. He had 53 touches. Uh, five for six on accurate long balls. Uh, one tackle, two blocks, four clearances, three headed clearances, nine recoveries, and he was three for three on ground duels. So uh, Farrell, I thought, kind of held his own today. Um, Kessler, also 0 for two on tackles. Uh, nine clearances, six headed clearances, three for three on ground duels, three for four on aerial duels. You know, those are pretty good numbers overall. I think that was just a really, really tough Atlanta team that was able to kind of move through the revolution a little too easily. So I don't think any individual is going to stand out as horrible. Just as a group, I, I don't think defensively they were very, very good. So uh, Jennifer kind of touches on that. I thought we were really disorganized. Some passes were a little too cute. Uh, and Chia says, I'm curious if you guys thought the officiating was poor. Uh, we'll start there. I don't remember many controversial calls from the officiating, so I'm going to have to disagree with this. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with Jennifer here. I, I thought the officiating was fine. Uh, Jamie, anything stand out to you for uh, the officiating today? No, no, no. I don't say the only the big calls I'm thinking of, the free kick for their first goal was definitely a free kick. So, no, nothing, nothing immediately springs to mind from any poor officiating decisions now. I mean, I, I'm, I think I, I feel like I'm missing something. Sometimes we had a question and I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, but I mm. thought it was fine. I, I don't think they went to VAR today, but I don't think there were any major issues. Um, maybe it wasn't a well-officiated game, but it was a good officiated game by MLS standards. So, uh, But I, I can't think of anything where I, I thought the, the referee did anything outrageous. But uh, Jennifer also says, also any ETA on Gustavo Bo, uh, she says, my daughter hearts him and, and is curious. I believe someone asked about Gustavo Bo after in the press conference, and that Bruce. Was, that was me. Yeah. Oh, that was you. Oh boy, you're asking all the good questions today. <laughs> um, I believe Bruce's answer was it'll 
no update, but it'll take him some time to get acclimated with the team because he's been gone for a while. So the first update last week was um, Gustavo Bo is a week away, and now it seems like you know the Cincinnati game also might be in doubt. It seems like he's a week away, three consecutive weeks. So um, I feel like I'm characterizing that right. Is that right, Jamie? Uh, yeah, well, um, I uh, I asked it. I asked two questions, and he answered the first one. The second one being the bow one, which he didn't actually answer. But I don't think that was that wasn't anything. There wasn't that's nothing to read into that. And then I want to say Tom Quinn, and then asked a similar thing about bow, and that's when he said, yeah, he's he's been out for a while, so it'll take it'll take him a bit of time to get back into the mix. Bruce, I got to admit, Bruce at the press conference seemed a little bit tired today. I feel like he's very he's just as exhausted as the rest of us coming away with one point or coming away with zero points uh, when you feel like you win. Uh, it, Bruce certainly seems to, uh, I forget what question was asked, but he basically just didn't answer it. He said, I don't really know how to answer that. Uh, and that was kind of the answer. So um, RevsFan94 on Twitter says, confidence index, will the Revs put it together to get into the playoffs? Um, I'll say yes. Uh, I, I believe 538 does their model and they have the Revs as a 50-50 shot to get into the playoffs, which I think is... Undershooting it, I still think this team is going to put it together. They just need to play defense better. Uh, I think that uh, the offensive firepower is there. They're only going to get better with Barrero and Bo coming back. Um, it's But this defense really needs to get better because they're losing Matt Turner. So I think we'll get better offensively and somehow worse defensively. So, uh, But I, I think overall they'll be able to score goals. Uh, and I, think, I, I, I still think there's too much talent on this team to miss the playoffs. Uh, Jamie, what are your thoughts? Do you think the team will pull it together? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be too brazen and say it's just a guaranteed, it's definite, because there are it's, it's a tough, tough conference and there's some very good teams in there. But I think when you when you look through the teams in comparison to the Revs in the bigger picture, there's definitely teams that the Revs should easily be ahead of, whether it be teams like Toronto and Miami, who you think will be towards the bottom end. I think, I think yeah, although it may not be as good as last year, obviously, I think they'll definitely make it in, even though it's not going to be in the upper restaurant so they they may not have a home game home game in the playoffs let's say that yeah i think a home game boy it might be a uh a, a real stretch to get to that level um but and i'm pulling up the standings right now but i i still think you know i, I still think this team is too good seven teams make it is this a top seven team in the east i think so uh i i really do think so right now they're at 12 points through 11 games um, you know, Charlotte's in front of them. I, I think they're better than Charlotte. Uh, DC is in front of them. DC has 13 points. I think they're better than DC. Uh, you know, Montreal's at 20 points right now. They're playing phenomenally. Um, that, that's a bit of a surprise, but yeah, I mean, th- there are some good teams they got to catch up to, but, uh, you know, as I say, I, I think the teams right in front of them, I don't think they're going to be in front of them for long. And right now they're three points out of a playoff spot. So, you know, uh, they've had some bad bounces. Um, but I, I, I think, once this team gets on the right ship uh, and once they kind of string together to some results, they'll have a little bit more momentum. They'll feel a little bit better. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be, you know, at 1.09 points per game all season long. Uh, so I, I do expect them to kind of catch up. And as I say, are they going to be a top four team in the East? Probably not. Um, I, I think I've lost hope on that. Uh, but will they make the playoffs? Yeah, I do. I, I'd be very surprised if this team doesn't make the playoffs. So. Six Stars NE, who has a very good podcast. Make sure you check them out. Uh, he does a deep dive on tactics, a lot better than we could ever do on this podcast. 
Uh, but he, so check that out. Six stars any uh, on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. They, they come out every week during the middle of the week. But he asks us, why do we think Tommy continues to get Arena's trust when he constantly underperforms? Uh, we talked about this a little bit. I, I, I think it's just the lack of another defensive midfielder, a guy that can kind of play a long polster. I think Tommy Mack is the best of a handful of bat options to kind of play in that role. Um, and I, I think that's the reason. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jamie? Uh, anything to add on why Bruce continues to play Tommy McNamara out there? No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, I was going to say pretty much the same. Best of a bad bunch is all I can really come up with there. Uh, Steve asked us on Twitter, uh, the MLS said Ema came off with an injury. How do we go forward without him? I'm not totally sure if that's accurate or not. Uh, I didn't hear anything on the broadcast. It wasn't touched upon in the post-game press conference, but time will tell uh, if Ema is out long-term. Um, Jamie, assuming that this is right, uh, how do the Revs go forward? How big of an injury is it, and how do the Revs go forward without him? I think a couple of months ago, maybe, I would have been a bit more worried about this, but... Although, again, it's still a very small sample size. What I've seen from uh, Tico Rivera is very promising. And whilst, yeah, Bruce makes a good point, you don't want someone that young playing week in, week out, 90 minutes. I definitely think Rivera is good enough to, to get the minutes. And if he keeps playing at the level he has, then Boateng being out shouldn't be too much of a pressing issue. Although he is definitely a good asset to have. Yeah, and, they, you know, they are bringing in a winger in Dylan Barrero, so maybe they can. I know he's probably going to play on the right side a little bit. Although I, I believe I've heard that he plays a little bit on the left side as well. Uh, I'd have to go check the tape. I'm not an expert uh, whatsoever, but uh, either way, you're going to add a winger. So even if he doesn't start and give you 90 minutes, he is a, a winger off the bench who can kind of be threatening. Uh, so I, I think that they have a little some reinforcements coming in uh, in Rivera and Barrero uh, that maybe give you some options out wide late in games. Um, but obviously that would be a major, major loss. Cause as I say, I think Ima Boateng is the ideal guy coming off the bench and providing you a spark and sending in a dangerous ball to Adam Buxa. Uh, you know, the, we talk about how reliable this team is on Adam Buxa. Uh, you know, he's incredible in the air and Boateng is not just fast, but he's able to give him great, great service. They seem to be on the same page a lot. So, uh, that, that would be a rough loss if he is in fact out, but, uh, we'll check the injury report later this week. I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm, I, I'm not completely sure that is accurate. I, I think the MLS app might be lying to you, Steve. So, uh, we did get one more question here on Twitter from, uh, Porter. He says, is it possible for the team to make the playoffs when they've conceded two plus goals on six games of 11 played? Uh, we kind of already touched this. I, I think the defense needs to get better. I think they're going to have to go shopping in the summer window, and I think they're going to have to get better back there. Because, um, yeah, I, I think this trend currently of how much they are conceding is not great. Uh, I'll, I'll start there. Jamie, defense has got to get better, right? Yeah, I think I think definitely with with depth in particular, in the centre-back options, the, the fans are definitely aren't, uh, definitely aren't liking what they've seen from Omar Gonzalez so far. John Bell was inexperienced and has had uh, injury issues this year. So, yeah, I think there's definitely needs to be reinforcements from this game in particular if I'm honest I think going to the bends and conceding twice isn't the end of the world but when you take that into account conceding goals of two or three a game against lesser teams it does then become an issue but obviously Revs winless on the road Atlanta unbeaten at home this in the grand scheme of things it's a wider issue but just focusing on this specific game I don't think it was necessarily a bad performance defensively mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, the, certainly the trend of how much they're conceding is not good. No team with 20 or more goals conceded is currently in a playoff position. Although it should be noted, Montreal has 19 goals conceded there in first place. Uh, so uh, Cincinnati's at 18 goals conceded there in fourth place. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's an ugly stat to look at. Um, it's not great. I think a lot of it is bad luck. Um, I, I think they could use another center back to pair with Henry Kessler uh, to kind of really, really make that back line a little bit more secure. I think they need someone to pair with Polster when they want to run out this 4-2-3-1. And I think Petrovic needs to be not Matt Turner, but he needs to be good. Um, and I think if you don't get one of those three things, you're in a little bit of trouble. Um, and, and again, I, I don't think everyone on the back line or everyone, you know, is bad. I, I think there's a lot of talent in the defense, uh, but there's a lot of misorganization. Um, it, it's just too easy to go through the revs right now. It seems like when the press is broken, you know, it's very, very easy to just transition into the revolution's half. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think this uh, conceding two-plus goals a game uh, trend needs to end. Uh, but as I say, I, I think there's too much talent for them to continue it, and I, I think they're going to add someone as well. Uh, but Porter also asks, uh, well, adding on to that question, are we expecting Books a hat-trick hat for every game? Uh, that would be great. Certainly, I think we'd win more games if we had an out of Books a hat-trick every game, but... Uh, also touches on uh, should McNamara even be starting? We touched on that a little bit as well. Uh, and Carrera, and can Barrero fix this midfield? Uh, which again, I, I have tampered expectations for Barrero. I th- certainly think he'll be a great addition, uh, but I'm, I don't have super high expectations. Jamie, what are your expectations for for Barrero uh, for his rookie season? And uh, do you think he's going to fix the midfield? Uh, fix the midfield. This year, definitely not. I think it would be expecting way too much of him. And in my head, when you compare Tejan Buchanan when he left to what he was a year prior, I think there was a huge, huge gap in quality. And he he definitely fine-tuned his game by the time he secured that move to Belgium. So I think it will likely be the same case with Barrero. He'll start, hopefully show some signs of promise, but be a, a diamond in the rough as such. And hopefully Bruce can polish him into something a bit cleaner and then we'll we'll hopefully see him become a very good winger and who knows maybe following the footsteps of the cannon but for now I think it'll be unrealistic to expect too much from him I don't think he can save the season on his own I think Bo will will have more of an impact this season if he returns completely healthy uh, I think Gustavo Bo will have more of an impact on the season than Dylan Barrero so uh, but very well said we did get a couple of questions on discord uh, real quick, Misha uh, asked us, Arnor is on a fairly good run. Do you think he should be starting? Uh, and if not, why do you choose to be wrong? Uh, <laughs> good point. I, I, I kind of touched this earlier. I think Arnor deserves more minutes. I know this formation changes all the time, but he can play out on the wing. Uh, he can kind of play central midfield. I don't know if he can play that defensive midfield spot very well, uh, but I, I certainly think there needs to be a role. I've been impressed with Arnor this season. Uh, I think he's quietly having a great season off the bench and, um, I, I think he should see the starting lineup a little bit more than he is. Maybe not every single game, but uh, I do think he should be out there. Um, I know we've touched on it already, but Jamie, do you have anything to add on that? Uh, yeah, I completely agree from what I've seen. I'm impressed. And uh, the Revolution's next game is a trip to TQL Stadium to face Cincinnati. Obviously, they just put five pass in the Cups. I think that is, that's a game where I definitely like to see what Tristan can do from the start and hopefully get him even if not 90 minutes, 70, 75 minutes, I think that would be, that'd be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Although it, uh, 
might not know this because you don't get uh, the game out there in England, which, again, outrageous. Uh, please sign our petition to get the U.S. Open games uh, up in England. But it was a weekend Cincinnati lineup, so it probably will be a much tougher Cincinnati team yeah. uh, when we see them this coming around. And uh, as we mentioned on Wednesday, I believe that the following week, the Revs now have to face New York City FC at uh, New York City. Well, not really at New York City FC. They play at St. John's. Uh, but it's in New York. Uh, they have to travel to New York for the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Um, that game is on Wednesday, the 25th. Uh, so the Revs have a question on whether or not they want to rest some players and play for the Open Cup as well. That's a really tough decision to make. Matt Polster will be rested. He's suspended on a yellow card suspension. Um, but I think Bruce has a lot of decisions to make if he wants to run out a strong starting 11 like he did uh, against Cincinnati last week. Um, or if he wants to, um, you know, uh, uh, discard the U.S. Open Cup and go for the points in MLS. It's a tough question to ask. Cincinnati's ahead of you in the standings. Uh, this is a six-point game. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what Bruce rolls with uh, and, and what he prioritizes. But either way, getting circling back, I think Tristan definitely deserves a lot more minutes and definitely deserves some starts. I think he's got to start either your game in, in Cincinnati for MLS or he's got to start in New York at the U.S. Open Cup. If, sorry, Greg, can I, if I can just quickly add something to what you were saying about yeah, whether Bruce will prioritise the Open Cup or not. We've seen, obviously, whether you want an MLS team to do well or not. I saw Seattle prevail in Champions League, finally. And you saw a lot of the league games, they've been resting players and almost throwing away points, but they're still, their depth and their quality over a prolonged period of time is that good that you still bank on them to qualify for the playoffs. Whereas I think... If you maybe there's three or four MLS games that say you throw by the wayside to focus on the Open Cup, whilst it would be great to win that tournament, you could then really be in peril of going down to the last day and not having a playoff spot in your hand. So I'd say Open Cup would be great to win, but as a squad, it can be thin in position, so maybe we'd need to be more cautious than others. Mm-hmm. It, it's a great debate, and we talked about it a little bit last episode on our Twitter spaces, and some people counter with that and said, you know, if if this is the only tournament the, or, or silverware the Revs can win, it's important because you also get that CCL Champions League spot, uh, which is a good point. Uh, you know, the Revs aren't winning a shield. They, they might be outsiders for the cup, especially if they have to go road game, road game, road game from the playoffs, which is what we're talking about. So does, is there an extra incentive to go for the U.S. Open Cup to get that Champions League berth? Um, that's a That's a very good question. I think if the Revs were in first or second place, you wouldn't be that worried about it, but I, I do think that's a legitimate question. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's a good debate. I think both sides have great arguments. I typically am not a huge fan of the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I, I think it's a great time to show off your depth uh, and, and give some experience to your younger players. Um, but, you know, I think Bruce uh, I, I think Bruce right now wants to win every single game because the more wins, I think the more positive buildup and more momentum you get. So, um, But I, I'm curious to see how he plays it. I mean, I remember remember the RSL game. He rested a lot of his players. They end up losing that game. Um, that was a pretty impactful loss for the team. So if you play a weakened lineup in Cincinnati, if you lose 2-0, 3-0, and it's a pretty demoralizing loss, and then you also field a, a starting 11 team and lose in New York, then you really got nothing going for you. So, um, yeah, it's, there, it's, it's, it's a really good debate either way. And it's, you know, Bruce has some decisions to make, so. 
TSB11 asks us on Twitter, uh, or sorry, on Discord, he says, why do we spend so much time trying to defend deep and soak pressure when we just do not have the personnel to do it? Our defense only really seems to function well, 40 plus yards from goal. Um, great question. TSB11 occasionally has a question he asks that I really don't have much to add on to it. It's just a really good question. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Um, I guess today it was just Atlanta. Is able, It's able just to move the ball through the midfield um, pretty easily. I, I I don't know. For whatever reason, we just don't seem to have the, the, the ability to kind of defend and transition anymore and win balls in the midfield as easily as we did last year. Um, and so I think when you can't do that, you do have to kind of just drop back deeper and play more conservative. Um, I guess that's the answer, but uh, I'm sure someone knows better than me. Jamie, uh, do you have an answer for TSB 11 to uh, why the Revs are seemingly playing more conservative and, and dropping deeper uh, as compared to prior years? Um, I think I think again in this game specifically, I'm, the, I'm going to keep banging the same drum I've been banging the whole time, which is nothing funny. Atlanta have got the most expensive player in the league history. They've got Araujo won league in last year with Lille. They've got such attacking talent that sometimes you do have to concede, not literally, that you are maybe the the weaker side, and we have to think more about the defensive the game and be able to be able to control players like that and obviously whilst it didn't completely work Turner was still able to make some good saves so I'd say I'd say yeah in, in a more general uh, more general style of play you'd want to be higher up but in a game like this it's it's maybe not something to be focused on too much uh, Jamie that just about wraps us up here today uh, before we go tell everyone where they can find you on social media and do you have any final thoughts before we depart here so uh, my Twitter at is RookieJNR13, where you'll find all my writing about the revolution. I cover, I'm a beat writer for Last Word on Soccer, and we also cover pretty much every other team in the league. So uh, it'd be great if you come over and look look at what we've got. And then final, uh, on this game in particular, no, I think I keep saying it, but it's, it's, for me it's, it's, not, it's not two points dropped, it's a point one because it's a very good side and... Hopefully it's a step in the right direction, although two goals were conceded again. And just want to say, yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Greg. And fingers crossed it will go from a loss to a draw. And then on my third appearance, we'll be talking about a win. That's that's a great way to look at it. We're, we can only go up, right? And, uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully that trend continues the next time you hop on. But no, Jamie, uh, it, it was great to have you on the show. Uh, and it's great that you've been a, a great addition to the Revolution Beat. Uh, I kind of talked about this on our podcast on Wednesday, but it's always great to see new people joining the team because this team needs all the coverage it can get. And it's great to see uh, writers like yourself uh, coming on. And so uh, for our listeners, please make sure you follow Jamie on Twitter uh, and make sure you read his work. It's important to support. Support, uh, the local beat writers uh, who, who cover this team. So, uh, Jamie, thank you for joining us today. Uh, and you can follow us. Oh, actually, before I go, I do want to, one more note to throw out there. Uh, Carlos Hill, uh, 40th assist uh, today uh, on the Adam Buxa first goal. Uh, he is now tied for fourth in Revolution history, tying Kellen Rowe and Chris Tierney. I believe he's only behind Diego Fagundes, who's at, I believe, 45. Lee Wynn is at around 50. Uh, I think he's exactly at 50. Uh, and then Steve Rolston has the, the, the team lead at like 70-something. I don't know if anyone's ever catching Steve Rolston. But uh, Carlos Hill potentially could 
you know, if he has a season like last season and he ends up with high assists in the high teens, uh, he might be second in team history uh, in, in assists, uh, and he's definitely going to get there eventually. So um, just uh, uh, moving up the record books at record pace, uh, it seems like Carlos Hill has not been with this team very, very long, uh, but he's already, again, tied for fourth in revolution history in assists. So uh, just a, a very important milestone. Uh, and also Brandon by Matt Turner, uh, game number 100 for them today, or actually was it start number 100 for them today. Uh, either way, uh, they've hit the century mark uh, for either appearances or starts. I should have written it down, but uh, important milestones for them as well today. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap, and also please follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Be sure to follow our friends at The Bent Musket on Twitter at The Bent Musket and follow their work online at www.thebentmusket.com. Also be sure to follow our friends in The Rebellion at The Rebellion on Twitter and or go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and potentially becoming a member if you want to get more involved. And go check out our sponsor, Glasso Kits, and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. Make sure you are subscribed to iTunes or wherever you are listening, and please rate and review us five stars. We will be back next week following the Cincinnati game. Until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Revs.